0: As I've already said, I, I just can't say enough. This is such a, an humbling experience to uh, be standing here and thinking about 20 years of ministry with you. I was a 38-year-old pastor who'd been an associate pastor for 12 years. And I'd just completed five years of ministry in Tyler at the Pollard United Methodist Church and had um, had a bout with cancer in the midst of all of that before coming to you as your pastor. Was I ready for Lover's Lane? Probably not. But I'm a United Methodist pastor, and that was my appointment. An appointment that nobody, especially I, saw coming. But you welcomed this young uh, pastor, as green as I was, as this congregation. And um, you sidled up beside us in a way that was quite enduring. And we've partnered in ministry and my family has been most blessed by this partnership. In November of 1997, I was hunting pheasants in Montana in zero-degree weather when I received a phone call from a friend in the evening who had worked on a capital campaign at Lover's Lane United Methodist Church. This friend had been a pastor of hires in Chandler, and um, he told me that Pastor Dr. Bill Bryan had accepted a position at SMU. And Larry Sikora was his name. He said that he had mentioned my name to a couple of the leaders here at Lover's Lane. And I said, well, that's nice, Larry. Thank you very much. And I hung up, and I literally didn't think about that phone call for um, six weeks until the phone rang one day, and it was Bishop Bill Oden from the North Texas Conference, whom I did not know. And uh, he started talking about this church, Lover's Lane. He said, have you ever heard of Lover's Lane? I said, well, I've heard of Lover's Lane. Do you know much about it? I said, I don't know anything hardly about it. I just know that they have a reputation for having a lot of singles and a lot of, a lot of alcoholics. That's <laughs> all I knew. And um, then I'm going to give the Holy Spirit credit for leading that process that basically led to us saying yes to Lover's Lane and to Dallas. And my bishop in the Texas conference, Bishop Woody Hearn, uh, Bruce Hearn's father, um, he uh, said okay when I told him I'd made a choice, if I had a choice, to come on to the North Texas Conference and leave my home, the Texas Conference. And he said, well, okay then, since you've made that choice, I'll appoint you on April Fool's Day. <laughs> but ministry here um, could not have been better. And it hasn't always been easy. And tr- truth be known, I've wondered at times whether I was really up for the challenge. And you ha- you probably have too. But I've been involved in two capital campaigns in Tyler before coming here. And 13 months after coming here, this church had been involved in a visioning process that we called the Power of One Task Force. And all of the ministry that we saw ourselves doing for the next several years involved renovation of our facilities and the building new of facilities. And so another capital campaign was on my docket and we engaged in that capital campaign, which at that time was the largest capital campaign in Methodism, about $14 million. It's a long since been surpassed. But it was really through that capital campaign and the changes that happened in our ministry that I could see the blessings of God and the touches of God coming our way and ministry transforming here. And I simply cannot say, um, or or can say, that Tammy and I could not think of a better place for our children, Zach and Emily, uh, to have come to faith and to be raised than here at Lover's Lane. Uh, Zachary, who's here today, was 12 years old, a budding adolescent when we came here. Emily was six, and she didn't have any front teeth. They're both married now two wonderful people, our daughter-in-law, Emily, and our son-in-law, JB. And have I mentioned to you that I have a, a granddaughter now? <laughs> Claire Marie is, uh, is also here, and Zach and Emily and Claire Marie are moving to Dallas in a few weeks, and we're very excited. We could not have imagined being in a more fulfilling place for ministry than to be here with you here at lovers lane and so it's an honor today to again do as i hope we do each and every sunday and through the week in ministry to proclaim what jesus said about himself i am the light of the world you know jesus never said ministry would be easy it wasn't easy for him and like all of these I am sayings that we have been addressing in this sermon series, we've been calling I Am Yours, um, all of these I am sayings have a ministry context. And today, the I am saying about the light of the world has a context that we're all familiar with in the stories of Jesus. Jesus is confronted by scribes and Pharisees who come to him bringing a woman who has been caught in the act of adultery. And they said to him, Teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. In the Bible, the law of Moses says that she should be stoned to death. What do you say? And as we remember the story, Jesus is scratching in the ground all the time that the Pharisees are bringing this um, situation to Jesus to make a decision on. And when Jesus straightens up, as the scripture says, and looks them in the eye, he said, the one who is among you, who has no sin, you cast the first stone. And then one by one, as the story goes, those stones are dropped and the scribes and the Pharisees go on their way and Jesus turns to the woman And says, has no one condemned you? And she said, no one, sir. And Jesus said, neither do I condemn you. Go on your way. And from now on, do not sin again. So please turn with me to the eighth chapter of John's gospel. The eighth chapter of John. And we'll begin reading. We'll only read that twelfth verse. Let's stand for the reading of God's word. And Jesus spoke to them again, saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of the world of life. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. The authors of scripture were in touch with the darkness and Jesus was in touch with the scripture. And so when Jesus brings this situation to its climax of basically saying to all who can hear I am the light of the world. He is drawing on the strength of the scripture. From the prophet Isaiah, he no doubt remembered, the people walking in darkness will see a great light. To those living in the land of darkness, a light has dawned. He no doubt also remembered the words of the psalmist when the psalmist said, the Lord is the light of my salvation whom shall i fear the lord is the stronghold of my life of whom shall i be afraid he no doubt also could reflect on those statements of the disciples who followed him who said about him the light shines in the darkness and the darkness shall not overcome it So they knew that Jesus, as the light of the world, had had come into this place in time for them, and yes, for us today in the risen Lord, to transform a world from darkness and despair to one into hope and joy. And I want to describe in the next few minutes that I have in this sermon... A few little snapshots out of the 20 years together that I think we have been particularly effective in lifting up Jesus as the light of the world. Overcoming the darkness, bringing salvation, and not being overcome. Now the first reflection I'd like to share is on lifting up the light of Christ's grace and forgiveness. And I received a very special letter early on in my ministry here with you that for me says a lot about this church's commitment of lifting up that light of Christ, of grace and forgiveness. We had completed the building of our west side, and we were so excited about ministry, we'd started the alpha course And the alpha course was going to usher us into small group ministry. And literally hundreds of people had taken the alpha course when one day I received in the mail a letter from a stranger who said, Dear Pastor Stan, in October 1997, I began attending the Sunday morning worship services at Lover's Lane via WRR radio. Of course, back then, Bill Bryan was the pastor, and I must say I was disappointed when he announced his acceptance of the position at Perkins. I loved to hear him preach. I remained a listener through the lame ducks waiting on the big ducks sermon as we all anxiously awaited your arrival, your warm folksy style, in bringing God's word and the good news of Christ has filled my life with peace and joy and hope in my toughest times. That's nice and flattering. But then he paid a a tribute that I was really shocked by. He had remembered sermons that I had forgotten. And he said things like, well, I dined with you at Rosalie's Good Eats Cafe and I sat on the rock with you as... As you contemplated your illness, and I had my heart warmed, remembering keep the fork on that Easter. By then he'd proven to me he'd been listening to the sermons. And then he said, Several weeks ago I was struggling with writing this letter. And around eleven thirty on Saturday night, I discussed my problem with a Christian friend who listened and advised me to write the letter. I prayed over it that night, asking for God's direction. And then the next day, you preached a sermon called Carpe Diem. And in that sermon, you said, make that call you've been putting off. Write that letter you've been putting off. And he said, I knew I had to write. My attendance by radio only is a byproduct of my incarceration in the Texas Department of, of Corrections. I arrived here in June of 97 after my life as I'd known it. The preceding 49 years had collapsed on April 1996. I will leave here prayerfully on April 2002. He really didn't leave for six years later. You and the congregation at Lover's Lane through the broadcast services have become my local family and I have been a member of the United Methodist Church since 1966 and would very much like to move my membership to Lover's Lane. I am a real prayer warrior and this decision has come after much time on my knees. Please advise me of what I must do to make this take place. Signed, Royce Hall. I went down to visit Royce Hall a few days later just to hear the rest of the story. And on that next Sunday, I read his letter to you. And then I said, Royce, I know you're listening today, and I want you to hear Lovers Lane affirm you as a member of this church, not when you get out of the pallage unit, but today, and then I said to you, if you will receive Royce Hall into the membership of this church, will you say amen? And the congregation said, amen. <laughs> what had we done? We had just told a prisoner that we wanted him a member now, not when he gets out, whether that's in two years or six years. And through Royce Hall, he, we, he opened the door of Alpha Ministry and Prisons and the pallage unit that became eventually us going week after week to five different units, men and women's units, that led to nearly 8,000 men and women, women coming to a closer relationship with Christ through that one letter. Fast forward. Royce gets out of prison in his first His first Sunday with Lover's Lane is Easter 2006. That Easter Sunday, I knew Royce was coming and I... I had told the congregation through those six years since that first letter, many stories about Royce and what was going on in prison ministry. And and now Royce was here for the first time. So I said, you know a lot about Royce Hall, but you've never met him. You've never seen him for the most part. So Royce, would you stand up? And Royce was sitting right back here. And Royce stood up. And immediately, this congregation broke into a long-lasting ovation that brought tears to Royce's eyes and most of our eyes on Easter Sunday. A man and his wife were visiting that Sunday. They're here today. Bill Evans had been across the street in recovery in the groups and... He told me that he and Jan had decided that this was a Sunday. They'd just walk across the street and check out this church that had provided the CSD. He and Jan shared in the pastor's beginnings class that they came simply to check it out. And when they saw this congregation's response of grace and forgiveness, they were taken aback and knew that this was the church for them. They saw the light of grace and forgiveness and it moved them to be involved in this church. Jan became involved very heavily in prison ministry with the women that led to so many people being converted. Uh, Bill became involved very heavily with the leadership at the 12-step uh, ministry across the street, and we know not only 8,000 people in, uh, in through prison ministry have come to a closer relationship with Christ, but literally tens of thousands of people have, have, have had their lives literally saved, they would say, by the recovery ministry across the street. When you think of this day, there were six groups or so back 20 years ago. There are 80 so or so now. There are 900 people dealing with addiction, go across the street week after week. How many people dealing with recovery and their families and friends? That would involve tens of thousands of people through your ministry. Royce and Jan and Bill those names represent so many other names that I could name about so many other ministries that have literally been ministries that have been about grace and forgiveness that have changed the lives. And I've seen it. I've experienced it. And it's been a blessing. Jesus said, I am the light of the world and we have lifted the light of God's forgiveness in Christ, his grace in Christ, and it has been a blessing. Now, you've heard me say in the years that I've been here that churches should be driven by vision and driven by mission. That's what the Power of One task force was about years ago and repeated over and over again. And then we decided on a mission statement of loving all people into relationship with Jesus Christ. Now, I want to tell you that when we decided on that mission of loving all people into relationship with Christ, things didn't become easier. To some degree, they became a little more complicated. What I have learned is that when you say that you are going to love all people into relationship with Jesus Christ, then you better be ready for all the people that Christ is going to send you. Amen? Or, or then you're going to have to alter your mission statement and qualify the all. We've all learned together. And since adopting the mission statement and putting up signs like no perfect people allowed. Remember that sermon series? Some of them didn't like it. But a lot of people came because they fit that description. I'm not perfect. I must be welcome there. And the want to know why campaign that literally changed this church's church into a multicultural, very diverse congregation. And the waters of baptism here that we have seen accentuated in our shepherd's garden where nearly 65 to 70 people a year, 65% or 70% of our new members a year come by profession of faith and baptism. So the waters of baptism here at Lovers Lane have been warm and they've been welcoming. We baptize those into that loving and accepting relationship that is Jesus Christ, the light of the world. For just as we uplift the light of the world in Jesus as as, as um, grace and forgiveness, we also know that grace and forgiveness, the light of the world, is about love and acceptance. And so is our mission, and so is our vision. I received a letter from a woman back several months ago who's in stage three breast cancer at the time. And she wrote me this email that brought me to tears. She said, a little over a year, I paced back and forth in the parking lot of this church arguing with God about going in. I do that sometimes. I had been devastated by my church home almost 15 years prior. I wasn't ready. I've always loved God, but I wasn't ready for the people in the church. And that day I gave it to God and I trusted Him. And in the last year I have been met with nothing but love and acceptance. Even my children, who never wanted to go to church, have attended services with Veronica and me. I have known that our church and our congregation as a whole are trying amazing and set aside from so many. I have been the recipient of so many blessings there inside our walls, but also outside our church walls. And I'm honored To be a part of a church that doesn't just say we love all, but proves it with every action. Today I'm overwhelmed by the outpouring of love and support that Veronica and I have been shown. Thank you for everything. My heart is bursting with all the love I feel and I am honored that you all love us so much. Thank you for every word. Thank you for every action. Thank you for being the loving hand of God. Thank you for showing me what love truly is. And thank you for healing that each of you has given me through our Lord. I am humbled. Our God is good. He is very good all the time. And thank you again, Laurel. You know, issues, social issues, political issues confronting our society today and even the church has us siding up and has us disagreeing and some agreeing and, and sides here and sides there. But there is something about this church that has risen above that to the place that we can simply say our mission is to lift Christ's light of love and acceptance and trust God to work things out. May God empower us in so continuing to lift that light in the world. I close with this. Sometimes lifting the light of Christ requires us to boldly engage the world. I had a pastor friend Notice Lover's Lane's bold engagement and send me this letter. Now I want you to know that it's fairly uncommon for a United Methodist pastor to write a letter such as this to a United Methodist pastor, so I do want to have it framed. (laughs) Even though it came in email form, it isn't very pretty. Listen to what a colleague said about you. While most North Texas churches ignored the request from North Texas students to support their efforts yesterday, this is about Parkland, your youth ministry and your youth ministry staff was leading youth to wave signs like palm fronds, helping them understand Palm Sunday and what it's really all about. While some churches were posting pictures with the Easter bunny, Lover's Lane was raising money for Feed My Starving Children. While churches were giving out chocolate to their kids, you were throwing an Easter party for hundreds of homeless Rainbow Day kids who are the least of these. When my mentor and friend, Kendra Dean, met with the Parkland student organizers and asked them what they wanted her to bring back to her churches and denomination. They said, we just need to know that churches are behind us. On Palm Sunday, you invited a Parkland survivor to speak. I wasn't able to attend, but I'd imagine that in the Lover's Lane spirit, you cheered him on. You loved him. You celebrated him. He left knowing that a church in Dallas, Texas, cares about him and, the, and supports the struggles that he is going on, that is going on in Parkland with his friends. There are a lot of big churches in Dallas, he writes, with a lot of resources. I wish I saw more engaging their city, engaging justice and boldly making a difference like y'all do. Thank you for your leadership, friend. And may God bless Lover's Lane. You know, know, when Jesus said, I am the light of the world, he, he wasn't finished with that thought. Because Jesus knew that he would be alive as the living Lord and the church would be the incarnation of the living Lord, right? And so Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount after completing the Beatitudes, he said quite frankly to those followers of his then and the followers of him today, you are the light of the world. You are the light of the world. You are a city set on a hill that cannot be hidden. Neither do people light candles and put them under a bushel, but on a candlestick for all the world to see. Let your light so shine before others so that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. Well, I'm going to try something this morning. How's your singing voice? You just follow along when you start catching it, okay? Walk in the light, beautiful light. Come where his love and his mercy are bright. Shine all around us by day and by night. Jesus, the light of the world. That wasn't bad, but you need more practice. Walk in the light, beautiful light. Come where his mercy and His mercy are bright. Shine all around. Us by day and by night. Jesus, the light of the world. One more time. Walk in the light, beautiful light. Come where his love and his mercy are bright. Shine all around us by day and by night. Jesus, the light of the world. Amen.